The Shad Line Rises is available as an ebook on Apple, Kobo, Barnes & Noble, and of course, Amazon, where you can also get it in paperback. Chapter 46. The Path is Closed. The palace of Thizruil held darkness in its halls as if flooded with ink. It was the same thick lightlessness that had filled the entry to the tomb back on the Covimest coast. Zirheen had once again chewed up blobs of glowing blue weed, and again a clump was stuck to the point of Ol' Rusty. The Nazk shades had bled. A lot. But the Shadline blades had absorbed it all. This was not a revelation to Fallow. He knew of that strange property of the magical weapons. But to see it happen, to witness the drinking of the blood, had given him both a new fear and a new respect for his blade. Perhaps he shouldn't refer to it as Old Rusty, he thought. It was, after all, a legendary blade made from a dragon's tooth. But it felt a bit ostentatious to call it Telt, a bit reachy, as his mother used to say. He held the blade up to shed a faint blue oval of light on another of the thousands of frescoes adorning the walls of the palace. Thizruil, you say? He moved aside so Zirheen could inspect the image more closely. She'd been the one to declare the name of the place. Father had sometimes hired balladeers to perform in the great hall of the Petoro Great House, though Tarek had often said that, to him, music sounded like the jangle of broken glass in a jar, and that singing was less pleasant than the howls of a broken-legged hound. Naturally, Fallow loved the songs, jokes, and the recitations of epic tales. He'd also noted the glimmery, gimlet-eyed attention balladeers got from the ladies, young and old. One rather long song was Sadie of Sigil Tyne. It was more of a chant than a tune, and as it progressed, a skilled performer varied the intensity of his words from whispers to shouts, the pitch rising and falling, but not forming into melody. The effect was magical, and for Fallow, who was rather a skilled mimic of others' voices, such things helped him remember bits and pieces of performances he'd heard only once. As the son of a wealthy man, he'd also been privileged to own books of the texts, which he'd imbibed like a trez fiend. So now he recited, In the tower of the lost souls she weeps, the lady of Thizruil locks of red. The morning witness never sleeps, dire Elysian rules the dead. Zerheen nodded as she traced the scene on the wall. It was a depiction of sigil Tyne as if viewed from a tower in this place. The boulevard they had just traversed shrank in the distance, lined on both sides with lesser palaces, lush and tidy gardens everywhere. The central fountain sprayed sparkling droplets skyward. Beyond it, the colossal maiden was backed by the great falls, which appeared as a haze of white framed by majestic cliffs. On the streets, tiny figures moved about their lives. Those farthest away were mere shapes, suggestions of a living being's form. They could be humans or Nazg, but nearer to the palace, more detail showed. And most striking of all was the lovely grace, the square-shouldered bearing, the high brows, ears delicate and pinned back in a manner unlike any human's. They were like us, Zirheen said, but also not like us. 
Sigiltine was built at the height of their age. Elysian reigned here for three hundred years, but a sickness came over them, and they declined. By the time men came to Sturmuen, their entire realm was empty. The divide stood, Moonside was sequestered, and the great citadel lay hollow as a seashell. The fate's piece is this way, Fallow said, pulling himself away from the fresco. It would take a lifetime of work to catalogue and study all the art in this place. He could only imagine how much more there was throughout the city. The art was all that remained, with the exception of a few mundane items like stools, buckets, and doorstops, all the artifacts of the lost race had been removed. Did the Nozg take everything? Perhaps. Perhaps those who fled took some of it. But I think they never required much in the way of furnishings. Have you noticed that most of the rooms we've been through have been galleries? This palace was built to display this art. Surely they had beds and dinnerware. Yes, but scholars believe there were at most ten thousand residents in Sigiltine, half that in Sturmuen. He pressed into the darkness, allowing his instincts to tell him when to turn from a corridor or when to continue. The sense of being watched had gone now. The defeat of the Nazg shades had relieved the city of tension it had held for an age. He doubted the ones that had escaped the cloak would attack them again, and that doubt arose to a total certainty as soon as he considered it. I just felt a certainty come over me, he said. Speak of it, the cloak commanded. The Nazg ghouls have returned to their posts. They are watching, but not for us. We have passed the test. Zirheen drew in a sharp breath. Fallow turned to see if she'd stepped on a nail or been bitten by a snake, but she was merely looking at him in astonishment. A test? They were guarding the city as a test? Keep speaking. No, she shook her hand violently, which made strange shadows waver behind her from the blue glow on her fingertip. No, do not think. Just speak. 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 I don't know what to say. I think no, the cloak barked. Speak. Every thought. Speak it. The test. The test is a trial. A thing you have to do to show worthiness. A test of skill. A test of merit. A test of heart. A test that the pull of the fate's piece is greater than fear. No one can come this far without the power of our shadline blades, our instincts, or Merca's power, or timing as we did to come with sunlight, but the... The path is closed. It's closed. One can only come at sunset. The virgent path is closed. And then he had nothing else to say. It all came out in a rush. So quickly it bypassed his own understanding. He stood dumbly in the glow of his spit blob, watching the reaction of his companions as they understood what he'd said before he did. It took time for him to reflect on his own words, to bring them into his thinking mind. He shouldered past his friends to return to the fresco of the city. It was covered with dust. He swiped his hand across it, then showed his companions the black on his palm. When they stared blankly back at him, he swiped again, as high up as he could reach, above the waterfall. Back and forth he stroked, dislodging the accumulated dirt of a thousand years. More had been painted here. The cliffs framing the waterfall rose to several peaks. The sunset is behind the palace, he said to himself. 
We know that because we saw it while we were running and dodging spears and arrows. The waterfall is to the east. He continued to swipe at the wall, but he could not reach high enough. Boost me. He was so intent on his task, he barely noticed when the cloak dropped onto all fours and Zirheen helped him to stand on the man's back. This is stupid behavior, even for you, Lop sent. Maybe I'll dunk you and use your hide as a sponge to clean this picture. That put a quick end to Lop's commentary. There, Fallow said, after a final brush with his sleeve. He stepped off the cloak and admired his discovery. A rightness settled over him. Zirheen, your fate's piece? She already had it out. The scrap of paper unrolled. On the fresco, the constellation of the goblet stood directly above the falls. The peak to the right formed the inverted V, the notch in its side now revealed as a cutout on the side of the mountain. A sliver of moon shone to the right. Where the sketch looked like a scribble of a child, this portion of the fresco had been created by a master. That's, that is the place, but it's not yet the time. The fate's piece beckons. The cloak hadn't finished brushing off his knees before Fallow continued to obey the pull deeper into the palace.